0: Amen. amen, amen. Hey, why don't we tell everybody that had a hand in our lunch today? Good job. Thanks for that. This is one of my favorite ones. Glad you're here. want to encourage you every single week to be sure and come back. Be sure and make this a part of your regular plan, your regular schedule. Every Thursday, we want to encourage you to be here. Not only that, to bring somebody with you. We want to see it continue to grow. We had to put out a couple more tables today. We'd like to see that happen every single week. So want to encourage you to be bringing somebody with you. Today and I don't know, man. Look around, uh, especially it seems every, it seems this year, these last couple years. But look at the last few months. We are living in crazy, crazy days. We're living in the days I believe Jesus very soon is going to come back. He tells us this is what it's going to look like. But you, you just look around. This week, in the last two weeks, in the last month, we're living in times of great division. People are divided, and they're divided on every front. There's hatred in the air, and you watch how people talk to each other. Uh, there's dishonesty. There's people of no character, and, and those folks are all around, and they're doing business. Uh, we, live, we live in a time where there's wickedness, and I was watching a deal on, on the, uh, the, the grabbing the children and stealing the children and put them into sex trade. Uh, absolute evilness, wickedness, vileness. Uh, marks our day, look at the culture and it 's not well that 's a rare case. look at the culture, look at our government, look at our society, um, look at the sea of garbage that our kids are in and I, I think maybe more than anything the the change in what we allow for our kids and the just a, a sea of garbage that our kids exist in and we 're living in in crazy crazy days just Just this morning, I was watching and, and I saw. Uh, Hugh Hefner died, I think, last night sometime. Uh, The guy was 91 years old and and the founder of the Playboy, and they really called it an empire. Uh, And they were saying all these things about this old guy, Um, all the accomplishments that he did. And actually, somebody said this. Here's an accomplishment for your life. Uh, He made pornography acceptable and accessible." That's one of the things they're marking in his life. They're talking about all of his accomplishments, how he, he took the sexual rights causes and advanced them, and they're bragging about his legacy. Uh, and I was just watching that. And think about this guy. Here's a guy who t- t- took the satanic filth of pornography He brought it into the mainstream, really messed up the idea of what sex and marriage is all about. And our society this morning was celebrating this guy like he's some big deal. Now let me just go ahead and say this. He said he had no faith. He said that. He said he believed in no afterlife. And I was was just watching this news report about this guy. And you know what I thought for just a second? You know what has happened this morning? He has met Jesus. He has bowed his knee and he has called him Lord. And he's in hell. And that's on his own testimony. I don't have to judge him. He said he didn't believe in anything And the world is celebrating him today. Our world celebrates people like that. We are living in a messed up age. And and I just want to tell you, for Christians in this age, we have a call. And that's what we're seeing here in 1 Peter. We have a call for people to seriously stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When they're celebrating that scumbag, it is time for Christians to stand up and to point to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of our gospel. Uh, To stand against the flow and to say, you know what, Jesus is our hope, he is our peace, he is our portion, and he is our only hope. We are called to stand. And then in the midst of that, here in 1 Peter, we see that in these days, for those who are going to stand, you're going to suffer. You're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. And really the whole point of 1 Peter as we've gone through it is that we have to stand. That's the call for us as Christians. But as we stand, we're going to absolutely suffer. Well, today we're going to move to the fifth chapter. And it's a pretty awesome chapter. As we move to this fifth chapter, listen, we're going to see one of the ways that God enables us to stand and, and upholds us as we suffer, listen, is through God-called, God-honoring pastors. In a time when it's time to stand, in a time when we're gonna suffer for standing, God is is gonna show us today that he enables that and he empowers that through God-called and God-honoring pastors. Listen very carefully. If you're going to stand and if you're going to endure in these days, Listen, God's plan is for you to follow a God-honoring pastor. You say, well, you are one, and so so you have to say that. You're a preacher. You're a a pastor. You have to say that. Well, I want to tell you this. I didn't write what we're going to study today. God wrote it. And so I'm just going to come, and I'm going to be a mouthpiece, and I'm going to tell you what God has said in these days when it's time to stand and it's time to endure suffering. He intends for that to happen under the leadership of a God-honoring pastor. I want to encourage you every week, bring your Bibles. If you have your Bible, we're in chapter 5. We're going to start in the first verse. It says this, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Peter starts off, therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Now I want to break this verse down. It starts off and it says this, therefore, now he is setting the context. In fact, he is really attaching to the context. In the previous chapter, in fact, in the previous chapters, He has talked about the time to stand. It is the gospel that has to be upheld. He has talked about the suffering that is going to come with that, the suffering that is attached to that. And so he says, in that context, standing for the gospel, suffering for the cause of Christ, in that context, therefore, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Now the word elder here is not, not an older person, but really the word elder here is, is one of three interchangeable words that we have in the New Testament for the office of pastor. You go to the New Testament, when you find these three words, they are exactly interchangeable for the, for the office in the church of pastor. Now one, one of those words is the word elder. It translates from the Greek and it refers to a spiritually mature person. It is talking about a person who is developed in their faith. That's why Paul says you do not point as an elder a new believer. This is a spiritually mature person. Another word that is exactly interchangeable is the word overseer or bishop. Those two words, neck and neck, overseer and bishop. Now when that translates, it is talking about one who oversees, one who watches over, But it's more than that. It is a person who oversees, but they oversee with responsibility. Now, what that means is this. The pastor is responsible for the flock. Not only are they overseeing, but they're overseeing as a person who holds responsibility. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would, not be, this would be unprofitable for you. For they keep watch over your souls as one who will give an account. Listen, a pastor, an overseer, this person will give an account for the days of their leadership. Sometimes people think, well, This pastor this, or this pastor that, or it seems like they just do what they want to do, or I'm not sure I agree with that pastor. I want to tell you this. The God-called pastor of your church will give an account, a reckoning before God Almighty for the days that he led his church. That's a heavy thing. That's a a big thing. He's going to answer for the days that he led that church. And then the last word there, the interchangeable word, the third word is the word shepherd or pastor. Pastor. Uh, Think about it. uh, It has a pastoral picture. They are out in the pasture. They are the sheep, and the pastor, the shepherd, would care for the sheep. And so the third word is a as a shepherd is a pastor who would care for and and feed the sheep. Listen to verse one again. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder, Peter says. I'm talking to pastors, but I'm talking to them as a pastor. And witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now what that means is he could actually say, I saw him beaten. I saw him whipped across his back. I saw him nailed to a cross. I saw him dead and pulled off of that cross. Now he backed away, but he saw from a distance Jesus As he suffered. So he says, I'm talking to you as a pastor, but I'm also talking to you as a witness to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. But not only that, but he says, as also a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. He's saying, I'm talking to you as a pastor, but I'm also talking to you as a saved man who is waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that he's going to participate in that glory. And so he says this in that context, In the midst of suffering, in the midst of standing for Jesus Christ as a fellow pastor, as a pastor who saw Jesus suffer, as a pastor who waits for the second coming of Christ, in that context, I exhort you. Verse 2 Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Now he has some instruction here for the pastor, but it it helps us to understand what is required of the pastor. He says, to shepherd the flock of God among you. In these days, I exhort you to shepherd the flock of God among you. Now the first thing to notice there, the flock of God. The church, these are God's people. I don't don't know that we understand the heaviness of these. This is God's church. These these are God's people. That's why there's a responsibility attached to it. That's why there's an accountability attached to it. That's why this guy is going to have to give an answer and give an account. The shepherd is tending to God's flock. It's not his flock that he's built. It's God's flock. And he is responsible to God for the flock. That's a heavy, heavy thing. And then it says this, I exhort you to shepherd. Now the picture here, and it's exactly correct, the picture is this. He calls for them, he exhorts them to shepherd. Now what that means is to care for the sheep. Now what what would a shepherd do? We can go back and read in the Old Testament the, the life of David. What would a shepherd do? A shepherd would come, he would protect the sheep. A shepherd would come, he would feed the sheep. You know, what? we're running low on food here. We're going to move over here and we're going to, we're going to find new grass or, or there's fresh water over here. He's responsible to feed the sheep, to, to watch over the sheep and to, to see the dangers of the sheep and to, to see and to provide the needs for the sheep. Really, if you think about it, as the sheep live their lives, as the sheep grow, he is to ensure their growth. The shepherd's to make sure all the things are there that need to be there so that the sheep can grow. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of confusion here. There's a lot of misdirection here. Let me tell you this. The number one way that a shepherd, that an elder, that a pastor, the number one way that a pastor cares for the sheep, hear me, is the faithful, consistent preaching of the word of God, the Holy Bible. Be sure and understand that the pastor, the number one thing that he is called to do is to preach and to feed the sheep through the correct exclamation and exposition of the word of God. And so do not be misled today. Do not be fooled. Do not look for something else in your pastor. Your pastor is called to preach the Bible, the word of God to his sheep. Think about Paul when he writes to Timothy. He tells Timothy, you're a young pastor, you know what, you're called to correct the doctrine, to to uphold the biblical truth. And he says this, young preacher, preach the word in season and out of season. Well, Peter says here in these days, the pastor, the shepherd, they're to preach the word. They're to, to shepherd the flock of God. Now he goes here and he starts to tell us what that looks like and some of the things that are attached to that. He says, exercising oversight. Now what that means is seeing over. Preach the word of God, seeing over the sheep. And then he says this, not under compulsion, not under compulsion. Now what that means is this, preach to them, feed them, care for them, protect them by upholding the doctrine, but do not do it because you have to do it, not under compulsion. Do not do it because somebody's making you do it. Do not do it because you wake up and say, oh, I don't want to do this, but I've got to do it. And somebody's forced me and I'm compulsed to do it. But he says, do it voluntarily. Let me tell you something. If you have a pastor, and I'm talking about a God called God honoring pastor. If you have a pastor, his heart is to be a pastor. And whatever comes and whatever happens, whatever hardship shapes up, he is going to be a pastor because he's been called to be a pastor. And if you have a pastor, that is his heart. But I want to tell you something else. If you have a man and he can be content with anything else, if he can be content to endeavor into something else, he's not your pastor. Let him do something else. You see, a pastor, his heart is to be a pastor. And that's what he's going to do because God's called him to do that. So he says, you do not do it under compulsion, but you do it voluntarily. And he says, you do it according to the will of God. Now, I think we need to reaffirm this in the church today. This happens because it's the will of God. To have a pastor is God's will for your life. To be under the leading and the teaching of a pastor is God's will for your life. Your pastor is God's plan for your growth and your encouragement as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, we want to make disciples who make disciples. Well, I want to grow as a disciple. I want to tell you God's plan for that is through a God-called, God-honoring pastor. For somebody to say this, you know what? I can be out of fellowship of the church, and I can grow as a disciple as God intends. That's a lie. We, we sometimes make it say, well, that's okay. You know what? I can watch the preacher on TV and I can connect to the preacher on TV. I want to tell you that's a good thing to hear the word of God, but I want to tell you that's not God's plan for your growth as a disciple. That's a lie. His plan is for you to be under a pastor in a church growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what it says. It's God's will. Next thing it says this, not for sordid gain. Not for sordid gain. This guy's not the pastor It actually translates because he has a longing for money. Let me tell you this. Any pastor who's in it for money is not a pastor. And and you can say, well, what about $10 million this and $50 million jets? And I I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a beat up Hyundai. Any pastor who's in it for money is not a God called pastor. And I want to tell you this, it also shows up. And you watch a man and you watch how he lives and how he interacts with his money, his wealth, and it's going to show up. And I want to tell you, it's, it's a check of a man's heart, a pastor's heart, how he deals and how he approaches the subject of money. It says it's not for sordid gain. That man's not a pastor, but it's with eagerness. You know what, I I get to point people to the hope we have in Jesus Christ. I get to hold the the astounding word of the living God and I get to preach that to these people. The only hope they're gonna ever have is to grow in the truth of God's word and I don't care if you give me two nickels, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna preach the word from God. That's a pastor's heart. We're studying the book of Colossians in our staff meetings and in the book of Colossians it talks about the false teachers who do it for pride. The false teachers who do it for self promotion. I want to tell you, the the pastor's not going to do it for position. And then the Bible says this not to lord it over others. Not to lord it over others. That's what it's talking about. You're not doing it because you have a place. You're not doing it because you have a position. You're not doing it for power. You're not doing it to lord it over others. But then it says this you know, you're not doing it for money. You know, you're not doing it because somebody forces you to do it. You're doing it because you love God. You're not doing it for the position to lord it over somebody. But it says as you do it, you're proving to be examples to the flock. Let me just tell you this. You cannot preach and be a God-called preacher if you're trying to preach something you will not endeavor to live. That's what the Bible says. Do not come with your big sermon. And do not come with these lofty ideas. And Do not bring the word from God if you're not willing to live according to the word from God. That's what Paul says. That's what Peter says. That's what Christ says. That's why we're not to have new believers as our pastors. That's why the, the, the high standard is upheld. And Paul tells us that. It's, that's why we have to be beyond reproach. They are to live what they preach. They are to live as examples. The Bible says... To the flock, I was thinking about this this morning. When I was in high school, a bunch of you know my football coach, Leo Britton. We talk very highly of Coach Britton. We were scared to death of him when he was our coach. One day we're in practice. I was a junior, and, and, and it's early in the season. I'm very timid around him, and we're we're in practice out here on the practice field, and. We're walking through some plays. Sometimes he would get mad. He was a little bit mad that day. We're walking through some plays, and he lines up as a defensive tackle. I was an offensive tackle, and he says, step out on me. Well, he's there in his his shirt and his shorts. I have full pads on, so I think he probably means step out on me. So he snaps the ball, and I just stepped out on him. I was just going to show him where I was going. He hits me in the side of the head, jerks my face mask down, says, I said, fire out on me. And I go, this old man, is he's crazy. He's actually giving me permission to fire out on him. And he took his hat off. He had a comb over, and when it blew, it would stand up like this. And so his comb over stand up like this. He's fierce. He threw his whistle behind him, threw his cap off, and I thought, all right. So I, I get down. I think he said fire out on him. I'm pretty sure he said fire out on him. He's mad I didn't fire out on him. I'm getting ready to fire out on him. They snapped the ball, and my Rydell helmet hit his bald head as hard as I ever hit a helmet anywhere in my life. Boom! And I fired out on him. And he stood up, and he said, that's like it. That's just like it. And he had blood that was running down into his eyebrow and blood that was running down into his nose. And he turns around, Coach Blythe was there, and he said, I didn't think he'd do that. (laughs) I like that. I respect that. I can get behind that. You see, I don't want somebody to call for something they're not going to do in their life. I don't want somebody to ask something of me they're not going to live in their life. And and Peter says, here, you know what? You're going to preach the Word of God because you love the Word of God. You're not going to do it for gain. You're not going to do it out of compulsion. You're going to live it yourself, and it's going to show up in how you live your life. And don't run your mouth if you're not going to move your feet and live it out. It's going to be your example. That's what he says of a godly pastor. Verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is what he says. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The chief shepherd here is Jesus. And I want to tell you of all the pictures of Jesus, this is one of my favorite. Jesus is the chief shepherd. What an an awesome picture that is, the chief shepherd. The one who would leave the 99 to go in search of the one. The one that would pick it up and carry it back to the fold. That's the chief shepherd. It says when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now what that means is this. For those faithful shepherds, those who sold out to the cause, those who lived and even died for the sheep, Those who had the character to tend to God's people because he asked them to do it. Those who did it for the right reasons. Those who held to the cause and didn't shrink back. Those who endeavored to hold up the Bible as truth. This is the word of God and it's living and it's active. And this is what we're going to preach in our church. Those who stood and they stood in confidence. And there they stood and they upheld the truth. Those who finished the race there's a payday that is coming. Now what that means is this, and I think the church needs to understand this and the pastor needs to understand this. For those who are preachers, those who are pastors, those who are shepherds, there is an audience of one. And it's not the people and it's not the congregation and it's not political correctness But for those who are endeavoring and existing as God called shepherds, we seek the approval of the chief shepherd. Now, what does that mean for us in here? It means this. Listen, I'm talking to you where you're sitting. God has a plan for you. And God has a blessing for you. And in a sorry, wicked age, when we're called to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the point of this lunch, that we would be men, that we would act like men, if you're going to endeavor to stand as a man, if you're going to survive the suffering that comes with that, you have to get in a Bible-standing church. That's what it's talking about. You need to get in a Bible-standing church. Well, I don't like the church. Well, that's not God's plan. You need to get in a church. And in that church, you need to get with and you need to get under a Bible-preaching pastor. Don't you wish somebody told you that at 17? Don't you wish somebody said, you know, you'd avoid a lot of the pitfalls in life. If you'll find somebody that says, this is the Word of God, live according to this, you'll be saved and you'll be blessed as you go through life. Get in a church, a Bible preaching church, get under a pastor, follow his leadership, and that is God's will. Glad you're here today. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Let me say this, there's a couple pastors in here, a couple retired, a couple active. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your word, your truth. I'm thankful that as you call people to stand, as you, as you warn us that when we stand, we're going to suffer, that you tell us how to do that. You tell us how to prepare our hearts. You tell us what our minds and our thoughts and our actions ought to be. But then you come and you tell us, you know what, you've blessed us in that with a pastor. I pray that we would adhere to the Bible-teaching church, that we would be under it, we'd be in it, we'd be active, a part of the body as you've placed us. But I pray in that church that we would be under a Bible-teaching, God-honoring pastor. Pray for pastors as they lead. I pray for pastors as they discern. Pray for pastors as they set the example. Pray for pastors as they endure hardship. But I pray for the folks that would be under them, that it would be a blessing to them and an encouragement to them. And I pray that together, as we're gonna finish up this chapter and see that together that you're glorified through that, that together a lost and dark world would see a light in that, that together the world would see the gospel of Jesus Christ that is spoken in that. Lord, I'm thankful for your plan. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your pastors. I'm thankful for your church. I'm thankful for your people. Let us exist for your glory. We love you and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.